and the servant boy was healed because he trusted. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus our Lord, this is a very pertinent gospel for us this morning because we are under this pandemic, this great disease that's crossing just not the nation, but the world. And uh, I went to the doctor a couple of weeks ago for my annual physical. I do that every year, figure out how much more time I got to go. But anyway, um, he said to me, they've made a great fuss over this disease. And he thinks that no more people have died than usually do. And he thinks we have had worse infections. He says in 2008, we had a big virus and nobody said anything about it. So I listened to the radio and I have less trust than ever in what the newspaper are telling us. I don't know if they, they're contradicting each other. And I think sometimes that, uh, they not have the they don't have the good of the people in their hearts. They're, they're more worried about uh, saying who's good and bad in politics. Of course, my dear brothers and sisters, we've just gone through two hundred years war, pillage, and famine from the turn of the nineteenth century into the twentieth century has been a disaster for the whole Western world, and now the Near East and everywhere. And now we're being plagued by this disease. It's a sad thing, but we must trust in God. The boy in the gospel, the servant boy, wasn't a rich man. He wasn't even middle class, and there's nothing wrong with being a servant, as long as you have a good master. And uh, he was healed. I like, uh, there's a Greek translation of this gospel. I like that, you know, like he put confidence in him. He put faith in him. And it was our Lord Jesus Christ that healed him. In one moment, God could heal the whole world. In one moment. So why do we have to suffer? Because we're not very good. We're not doing God's will. We've done terrible things to each other. And all of a sudden, now this is the worst thing that happened. What about thousands of young men that died in World War I and World War II? How many priests and nuns? How many holy families and their children have died? Why should God look upon this world in a special way? We cry, oh, we trust in you, Lord, now. You haven't proved that. We have to live a life 
ascetical life, a disciplined life. This week I've been reading a wonderful book written by a woman who studies scripture, especially the New Testament in relationship to how it fulfills the Old Testament. Very important. She says the Jerusalem community of Christians modeled the foundation of the Christian faith on the old temple, the first temple of Solomon. In that temple, there was a great holy of holies, and it was square, just like our altar today is square. Our our temple is always modeled after the first temple. And it's been betrayed before. Now, some say the temple has to be rebuilt. Well, they've tried to rebuild it a few times. And what they think is the temple now, they tell us, has Roman stones in it. It's Constantine the Great, when he went to Jerusalem with Helena, his mother, and he built the Church of the Resurrection, he too thought he was rebuilding the new temple. Because on this place, Jesus had died on the cross. He had been laid on a slab and prepared for burial. And a few feet later, in a garden, he was laid in a tomb. And over this site, they built the Church of the Resurrection. I guess that's as good a temple as we're ever going to get. It's where the Lord sanctified the earth with his passion, death, and resurrection. I've been there. I wasn't quite as erudite when I went there and I looked around and I thought, well, maybe they just, you know, they just put this here. I'm glad they did. But the early Jerusalem community uh, testifies that this is where the sacred acts of our Lord God and Savior took place, the saving act, which which we would incorporate ourselves into the holy sacraments through his passion, death, and resurrection. And I read something else in this book that I didn't know. That in the church of uh, St. John the Baptist, which is the, the cathedral church of Rome, the Pope's church, not St. Peter's. St. Peter's is a basilica where Peter was buried the, under there. And Good Friday, they used to have ceremony where they elevated at the altar the blood of Christ that they had collected at the crucifixion. I didn't even know we had that. It's amazing. I don't even know if they still have that ceremony. Sometimes what they hide is more important for us than what they tell us. Isn't that amazing? But in the gospel, let's talk about the trust. So we trust in Jesus Christ, our Lord God and Savior, when he entered into our life, to his life. And so he gave us the sacraments. Each sacrament is the gesture of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. And you know, in the temple of old, say, like Melchizedek, who brought bread and wine, 
and made meant Abram and changed his name to Abraham. These were items that were from the tent of meeting before Solomon built the temple. What did he bring him? He brought him bread and wine. He brought him blood and he brought him bread to eat. And in the temple, even the second temple, which our Lord had difficulties with, with the powers that be there, um, there was kept the showbread and the offering on the Day of Atonement. Well, what was the offering on the Day of Atonement? It was the killing of the two sheep or goats, and the high priest would come out. He'd bless them inside the sanctuary. He would come out, and one sheep, he would put a red piece of cloth around him, and he would chase him away into the desert. And of course, the goat would be lost out there and fall off a cliff or something. The other one, he would kill and take the blood. And on the Holy of Holies, we have a tabernacle here, the Blessed Sacrament. On the Holy of Holies, he would have the kaporet, the mercy seat. That's where God would enthrone himself when he came into the temple in a great cloud. And he took the blood of the goat and he put it there. And then he took that same blood and he went out and sprinkled it on the people for forgiveness of their sin. In the epistle of the Hebrew by St. Paul, he tells us, we are not sanctified by the blood of sheep and goats, but we are sanctified by the blood of Christ who died for us on the cross. And St. Paul will tell us that's the same blood that we receive in the Holy Eucharist. Jesus Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity. And so it's very important to see this prefigurement in the Old Testament of the reality of our Eucharistic celebration and to realize that Christ is our great high priest and he makes this all possible by being with us in the sacred mysteries as we celebrate them even in this temple. So now, the gospel. I'm finally getting to it. We must have trust in God. So some say, well, you have to have faith, and you have to have uh, good works. That's true. But it's only by trusting in God that he sends the Holy Spirit. Because you need faith, you need good works, and you need the Holy Spirit the third person of Blessed Trinity, to heal us. And so Jesus told us in John's Gospel, he would send us the Spirit, and he would heal us and teach us all things. And he is still with us, teaching us. I testify my life to you that I've been studying. I'm ordained over 50 years. 
I've been studying seven years in seminary. I have 40 years of education and degrees. But the best things I've learned have been in prayer, where I get the insight from the Holy Spirit to understand the sacred scriptures and to live my life. So we must trust in God, as the gospel says. That means we trust in his sacraments. That means we trust in his presence amongst us. And that means we trust that he too can take away this great pandemic that is crushing the earth. And may have brought this on ourselves by our lack of trust in God and by our sins. The scourge is teaching us something. Even though it's difficult, we will be better off after it's over. But will we forget that we must trust in God to heal us from our infirmities? I think sometimes that when things are going good, people don't grow. They sort of take it for granted. Oh, yeah, we believe in God. We do all that. But uh, do they? It, bring, it says in scripture, we should work out our salvation in fear and trembling. That we don't offend God. We should love him. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he will send you the spirit, the paraclete. And he will teach you how to do that. That's a solemn promise for those who keep the covenant. So I like today's gospel because the centurion, he was a Roman, and he had passion and passionate concern for this little boy. And he healed him. With the act of faith of the centurion and his trust in God. We will be cured eventually from this plague that keeps people away from church. I think that's wrong. In the old days when there was a big plague around, they would have great penitential processions and ask God, and they were cured. We forget now, we think we, science can do everything. Science are just happy guessers. Yes, they might find a cure, they may not. I believe we should try to follow the guidelines they give us, but not when they keep us away from church, when they keep us away from the sacraments. So my priest friend, I think I told you before, he's out in Michigan, in the Upper Peninsula. We were in the military together. And he, he really calls me on the phone. He had me on the phone an hour. Boys, I listened to him. I'm listening way out here. He's rolling. He went to the, a man in his 80s, was uh, pretty sick, and he wanted to be anointed. You see the sacrament of healing and forgiveness of sin. Very important. And bringing him the Holy Eucharist. Very important. He got to the door of the hospital. They wouldn't let him in. That's sad. I said, you dress yourself up, put all those clothes on and your, your mask and everything. 
and you go in and you anoint the sick, God will protect you. So my other priest friend over <laughs> spoke out. He snuck in. He had a fellow that hadn't been in church for a while, up in years, and he went in there and anointed him. He just dressed himself up, uh, went in there, didn't ask anybody's permission, found the place, anointed the, the poor sick soul, and took care of him. That's a good priest. The priest must risk his life for the faithful. As Jesus did, he laid down his life. Sometimes I think we're not courageous enough that we don't trust in God who will protect us. And regardless of what you do, I don't care what you do, you're going to die. A lot of those people that died, they're going to die anyway. It's not a, a substantial difference in the statistics. But we're going to close down our whole nation, keep people away from church when they need God in the church? Wrong. Dear brothers and sisters, trust in God. He loves you. He sent his son, and he died on the cross for us. And he comes to us in Holy Communion, body, blood, soul, and divinity for our healing, sanctification, for our food of the journey to the heavenly kingdom. As John Paul II used to say, be not afraid. Yes, take precautions. Don't put your children or yourselves in jeopardy. Be not afraid. But as we say in Slavonic, Znami Bok, God is with us. Name the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.